Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. All right, y'all ready for the message? I am so ready. This was downloaded to me about a month ago uh, for you guys today. I want to talk to you the next few minutes on the subject of indisputable evidence. Indisputable evidence. If you've ever been involved in the legal system, this may be familiar to you. When a lawyer comes up and says, I have indisputable evidence that my client is not guilty. I don't know about you, but I'm hoping that's my lawyer. Indisputable evidence is defined in the dictionary beyond dispute or doubt, undeniable. It is fact. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad for the word of God that is fact, and I don't deal with theory of psychology. I don't deal with somebody's opinion or what somebody thinks. Like, we have a fact that's never been proven wrong. In scripture. Now, I want to challenge us here this morning and ask ourselves this question Is there indisputable evidence if you were in court of law and you had a jury, would the jury find you guilty of being a total devoted follower? Of Jesus Christ. Would you be found guilty. In that aspect. Or. Would there be evidence. To prove that we would have a hung jury. Oh y'all ain't ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Okay I want us to turn to. A very familiar scripture. For some of us, it's found in John chapter 3. This will be kind of our bed, bedrock text. The other scriptures I'll give you, you'll have to write down. I think they should be in your notes too. Because I'll have to move quickly through them. John chapter 3, verse 1. If you see anything like Genesis, Exodus, you want to make a hard right. Like... You might want to go the other direction. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John the Beloved. There was a man of of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter second time into his mother's womb and be born? Like, Nicodemus, are you stupid? <laughs> you, know, I, you know Jesus was thinking, yeah, come on now. Like, 
dude, what kind of question is that? Jesus answered, verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the Spirit, water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, I'm going to stop right there. And I want us to think about this. Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. And I was thinking about this in a new light. If I'm going to be born again, then something has to die for that to happen. Something's got, like, I've got to die to be born again. Some people want to be born again without dying. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, I know that you're the teacher and and you're this religious Jew. And you know all about the law and the old covenant and all this other type stuff. But you don't understand what I'm getting. What I'm trying to express to you is that that is not today. We live in the new covenant today. And Jesus was trying to teach Nicodemus about this new covenant and about who he was. He was not just a rabbi and a teacher. He was the savior of the world. Sometimes we don't recognize when Jesus shows up. Sometimes we recognize him as we want to see him, not who he is. Sometimes we want to, we want to uh, believe some scriptures in the Bible, but not all of them. Why? Because we are not willing to change. We want the best of both worlds. I want to, I want to go to heaven, but you know what? I kind of like what I've always been. Now, the Bible says it this way. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by faith. I do not live by analytical thinking. I don't live by theory. I don't live by somebody else's opinion. I live by faith. I cannot see him, but I believe he's there. I've experienced who God is. So you cannot talk me out of my experience with Jesus. He saved me. He set me free. He healed me. He did all this for me. And you're going to tell me there's not a God. I'm sorry. But you cannot dispel the miracle that God done in my life. You cannot take that away from me. We can debate theology all day long, but you cannot debate somebody getting out of a deathbed and being totally radically healed and walking out of the hospital in a few minutes. You cannot tell me there's not a God. You can't tell me that. So I live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New Old things pass away. Old things die. 
Behold, all things have become new. So, we see in these scriptures the same analogy is that who we was is not who we're going to be when we're born again. Are you going to be perfect? No. But your desires must change. I have a desire now to have a prayer life. I have a desire. I don't know a lot, but I have a desire to get to know Jesus more. I have a desire to be in discovery and learn more about him. I have a desire to serve, not to be served. Because the Savior of the world came to serve all the way to death. So now I have a desire to be an imitator of Jesus Christ. The Bible says I'm to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So that desire is in me. Why? Because my old self that was all this other stuff has died. I'm going to become new. Now, the question I have is what has died in our life? What has died? Has offense died? Yeah, it's getting quiet. Ready? A dead person cannot be offended. A dead person cannot be offended. I know not at Faith Center, but in some churches I've been in. I hear this all the time. Well, Pastor, I've just been offended so many times. You've been to five churches. Maybe we should look inward and say, like, what's going on with me? There's a time that some church folk get offended more than the worldly people do. And, you know, I get to a point after 30 years, it's like, oh, Lord, give me strength. I'm offended that you're offended. Let me just join the crowd. Like, how, if we died to all that other junk, how can we walk around looking to be offended? Nobody talked to me. Nobody did. What did you do? Did you talk to somebody? I didn't get nothing. Oh, sir. That's because you didn't come in expecting God to move in any way. You just want to get your ticket punched today. I went to church. I, you know, I live in the Bible Belt. We're going to go to church, and I wanted to talk to somebody. And you leave here, and you live the same before you walked in here. Oh, I'm going to get my like. I'm going to get my dance on. I'm going to. I'm going to praise. But when you leave here, nothing changes. You got to die. And it's to die to the things that sometimes we want to hold on to. Because we want to satisfy the flesh more than we want to have that sincere, total, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Have you died to anger? You died to anger. Well, you don't know, but I, be, I was born this way. 
You were born this way. All right. How about this one? I can't help it. This is just who I am. I know y'all have never heard that. Then I have two questions. First of all, why are you so mad? I tell couples in counseling, it don't matter if you're married to Jesus, this thing ain't going to work. Why are you so mad? It has nothing to do with him or her. It has to do with you. We can use all the excuses in the world when we're in relationships, any kind of relationship. But the question becomes, like, I'll give you some days that you're mad, but it ain't 365. You walk around like you're sucking on lemons all the time. I don't think that is the spirit of the Lord. We sing about the joy of the Lord. I don't think there's any joy in that. Then the question becomes, here's the real question. Ready? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Because we live from the inside out. So there's a reason we do what we do. There's a cause and effect. There's a reason we do. We can put on the happy face all day long and fake it to make it. But I'll tell you one thing. It will not last very long. So I have to take responsibility and say, what is going on? I've got to quit blaming everybody else for my actions. I've got to come out of coming out of a mentality that it's everybody else's fault. Won't they just accept me for who I am? People that love you will love you right where you're at, but they will not allow you to stay where you're at. Not people, because why? Because people that love you will tell you the truth in love. Because they want the best for you. So when somebody says, why are you angry? Then we have to look at ourselves and say, what is going on inside of me? Has anger died? How about this one? Have you stopped running? We live in a running society. Things get hard, just run. But we haven't died to trust in God in every situation of our life. It's easy to trust God when everything's going good. But what, what about when that trial hits? What about, what about when you don't know what to do? What about when, if you're in a marital relationship, your husband or your wife's getting on your last nerve and you just had enough? Are we going to run or are we going to trust God that God can change? If all things are possible with God, God can change my marriage. God can change my husband. God can change me where we can have a marital relationship that we both want. When are we going to trust God when all hell's breaking loose and we don't think we can take one more step? He is who he says he is or he's nothing at all. We've got to die to that old mentality that we'll just run and hope it goes away. Listen, whatever you're running from is going to go with you. 
That's why we have so many toxic relationships, because we never get right before we go into a relationship. We bring all that baggage into that relationship. Instead, getting us right where we can have a productive and a good relationship. But we never want to look at us and say, what is going on in me? Why do I do what I do? And take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to change. I really want, I want to be more like you. I want to stop running. But here's society today says, well, that's all I ever know. It happened in my family. They just run. It's just what you would call in the psychology world learned behavior. But here's the thing. The thing is this. Okay, maybe you were brought up that way. But the question becomes is, with God, don't I really want to break the cycle instead of stay in the cycle? Don't I want my family to see who God really is? They don't need you preaching to them. They need to see him. They need you to live it out, not tell about it. Because if you'll live it out, there's going to be a day that they're going to say something to you like, I know you're different, and here's what's going on in my life. Tell me about who this God is. Tell me about the one that has changed you radically. Because at first, they just thought you was on some religious high. Or on that, on that one, y'all know, on that one, God, if you'll get me out of this mess. I promise, God, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Well, they've heard that 15 times before. So some of us, we have to live it out in our, in our everyday life. So when we run, we constantly live in what we call a fight-or-flight life. Where we're always in crisis and emergency mode. Some people love crosses so much that they'll make crosses when there's not a crisis. Listen, I love you, but I'm not going to deal with you. I love you, but there's enough crosses going on that I don't need to be in crosses all the time. Amen. We got to know who, who the Lord is. I'm not going to live in emergency mode all the time. I'm going to trust God and say, God, I don't understand this thing right now, but I'm going to trust you. And you said in your word, just stand. And I, you will fight my battle. Some of us just need to stand and say, God, here I am. Use me. You said you would direct my steps today. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in, in the Lord. Today is the day. I'm going, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give him praise. 
even when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you have to praise him in the hallway before the door opens. You're leaving the old and you're walking in the, in, the, in the hallway to another door that when you know when you open it, there's good things on the other side of the door. But I'm not to the door yet, so I'm going to praise him because I know my breakthrough's in that door. So I'm going to praise him right where I'm at. I'm going to tell you, you want to drive the devil mad? I tell you, praise him when it doesn't make sense. I'll drive the devil crazy. Just say that. I don't know a bunch of scripture. I'm telling you, when hell's breaking loose, just say the name of Jesus, and every demon in hell has to flee. I'll just just say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean the devil's got to run. You don't have to know 15 scriptures. Just lift up the name of Jesus. Woo! My Lord. (laughs) Has selfishness died? I have an incredible statement I want to make that maybe you've never heard before, but it's not about you. See, you gave up the right for it to be about you. I'll say it again because y'all didn't comprehend what I just said. You gave up the right once you were born again into Jesus for life to be about you. I gave up that right. Well, I don't I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. I, I'll just sit on. No, you gave up a right. There's something new bubbling up inside of you that's never been there before. And that is to be like Jesus, then I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. It's going to make me uncomfortable. There's some things I will not know that I have to learn. That's okay. Because a lot of times the anointing will not come upon you until you say yes. There's no need to anoint somebody until they say yes. And then the, once you have the obedience and you say yes, you watch God work. You watch God work. You watch, when he puts something on your heart, you're passionate about it. Over 30 years, I've had a lot of pastors or a lot of people come to me and say, say, Pastor Jeff, I think I'm called to ministry. Here's what I say. Go home and forget it. That's what I say. Like, the meeting's over. And I said, if you can't forget it, then come back and we'll talk. Because you have no idea the decision you're making. So I want you to go home and try to forget it, that this is not some religious high or, or something that you just had an emotional high in the service or something. No, I want to know if this thing's for real. Because you're, you're saying that you're going to lay down your life to serve him at whatever cost there is. When does serving become an option? 
I don't, I don't read that anywhere in the scripture that, well, I just don't want to serve because I, I just, I just rather sit there and just soak it up. This is not a buffet. Back in the day, I'm going to go old school. Some of y'all are like, what is he getting ready to say? Back in the day when I was growing up, we had Bonanza. <laughs> some, of you, some of these millennials are saying, well, there was a restaurant, Bonanza. My family would go there every Sunday afternoon after church. It was our reward <laughs> for going to church. I'll never forget. It seemed like clockwork, and we went to different churches, but if some of you may not remember him, but Tom Butler, the news anchor, he was always in front of us. I thought, you know, like, if Brother Don would get done earlier, we could be in front of Tom one day. <laughs> but you get your steak and your potato, and then you go over to the bar. Yes, they had the salad bar, but they had other things on that salad bar. That is not church. You don't pick and choose. It's what he wants for your life. The option that's not on the table is you can't say no and be okay about it. Because whoever poured into your life, what if they would have said no? I had to move on. Has have you died to unforgiveness? Christ gave us forgiveness. So how in the world can we not forgive somebody else? When people have trouble forgiving, they are people that have never experienced forgiveness. Because they cannot give what they do not have. So if I have been forgiven by God Almighty for all the junk that I had in my life, how in the world can I choose not to forgive that other person? Listen, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. Amen. Don't wait on the other person to come to you and say, I'm sorry. Why would I want someone who hurt me really bad to control me. It doesn't make sense. I'm not going to allow someone who hurt me the most to control the rest of my life. I'm going to forgive them by God's grace, set them free, and move on. Now, I'm not saying that you got to go to supper with them. Because they may be still out there. But the choice is not on the table not to forgive. 
If you cannot forgive your brother, how can my heavenly father forgive you? It will hinder your prayer life. And it will not go away. You can suppress it, but it will not go away. Unforgiveness turns into anger, turns into a lot of things. Because that's why Jesus says to cast your burdens upon him, he'll carry them. Why? He didn't create you to carry hurt, anger, unforgiveness. Why? Because he said put it on him. He didn't carry you. Listen, your body, your mind will start breaking down if you don't do what the Lord said to do. It's not about what they did. It's about what are you going to do about it? You cannot control somebody else, but you can control you. You can make your choices that whatever they did will not control me any longer. So if Christ gave us that command to do that, then don't you think he's given you the power and grace and mercy to do that? He would never tell you something to do that he wouldn't give you the power to do with. Okay, I got to take a drink because this next one is going to get us. Has addiction died? Now, when I say that, we think of drugs, alcohol, blah, blah. No, there's other addictions. Some of y'all addicted to Amazon. It's a joke. Lighten up. Like, I don't know where to laugh or, or say amen. I don't know what to I'm going to tell my mother-in-law, I hope she's not watching. <laughs> it's bad when you call QVC and they know you, who you are and call your name. <laughs> how did they know you? Hi, Dortha, how you doing? Hey, you call this big corporation, they know your name. Ready? Many people are saved but not delivered. Addiction could be porn. It could be a lot of things. Some people addicted to money. Money's not bad until it becomes your God. We want the Lord, but why in the world do we want to go back and live in Egypt? When he's promised us a new life, a life that's good, that's everlasting, that has purpose, that can make a difference in people's lives. But we stay... In what we're comfortable with. Now I know that that sounds like like insanity or something. 
that we would want to do that knowing what it's done in our life. And listen, darkness will always be exposed. You may get away with it today, but tomorrow. I just feel this in my spirit. Listen to me. This is for someone. Today is your day of grace. Tomorrow, you could be exposed. The Lord's saying, today is it. I'm going to give you today. This is your divine appointment today. But you better repent of it and be done with it today. Well, what are the things? That, that's up to you in the Holy Spirit. Well, I think it's a gray area. I don't see any gray in Scripture. So if you're trying to find a gray area, you're already convicted about what you're doing. And don't ask the pastors. We're not the Holy Spirit. And if you're asking us, you're already guilty. What do you think about this? I'm not going to justify your sin. Well, I don't think this is a big deal. I've done everything else but this. Listen. In Christ, we have freedom, not sobriety. The Lord died to set us free. Yes, it is finished. So everything, when I am born again, he gives me the power to live a new life. The old things pass away. I become a new creation with the Holy Spirit power that is living inside of me, I am an overcomer. No addiction can have control of my life any longer. I am new, set free. But here's our part. He is doing his part, but here's your part and my part. We still have a choice to make. Well, the devil made me do it. devil can't make you do nothing, nor can the Holy Spirit. You have free will. Take responsibility of our choices. You mess up, repent. But don't go back. Repenting means I'm going to turn around and go the other direction. You come to an altar to die on, not apologize on. Yeah, somebody better help me because I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to, like, I'm getting ready to run. I'm telling y'all, listen, this altar that you come to, you got to get serious with God. He's just never done it. Listen, get serious with God. Repent, and I'm telling you, he'll wash you clean. He'll make you new. As far as the east is to the west, never to be remembered again. He's even forgot it for you. That's the God we serve. And so if God says, I will set you free, then I'm going to come by faith and believe what he said. And I'm going to walk out of here with the armor of God on. Believing what he said. And when temptations come, I'm going to say, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to have brothers and sisters around me that's going to help me, that's going to protect me, that's going to speak truth in my life. The times that we don't want that, we want to isolate ourselves. Would you just leave me alone? 
But when they want help, who do they come to? Have you died? The last one I'm going to cover is this. Have you died to blatant sin? The excuses of why you do what you do is dead. No more justifying sin behavior. No more, well, you have no idea what happened to me. I've always been this way. Well, it's just not a big deal. In this society, everybody does it. It's just not a big deal. I don't care what everybody else does. Well, Pastor, what do you think? What I think does not matter. Well, I don't believe that. You can, don't have to believe it or not. I'm not telling you to believe me. I'm saying, what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? That's the truth. Don't take my word for it. What? You don't need my opinion. What does Scripture say? Everybody wants to debate this and debate that. It's not up for debate. What does the Scripture say? Well, I don't believe that. Why don't you believe that? Does the Scripture say that? Well, I don't know. You should know the Scripture better than me. You're the pastor. Okay, sit down. And we'll get, the, we'll get the word out. But to sit here and debate opinions does not matter. Here's the sad part. Now, we have a generation of preachers that won't preach on sin. I'm going to be very gentle with this. And I'm not saying this to say that I'm a big deal at all. But I've been privileged to be in some green rooms with well-known pastors. And I wish I could tell you that it was very spiritual. May I say to you in this moment, don't make celebrities out of pastors. Because pastors are made out of mud just like you are. Don't lift them up. Lift Jesus up. Because they have the same junk you have. So what we have done is we've decided that we are going to say what the people want us to say. Well, we can have more butts in the seat. But nobody getting saved. Nobody getting delivered. And we're going, like, if you tell me how good I am, then why do I need to get saved? Why do I need to be born again if you're telling me everything, how good I am, how blessed I'm going to be? If you're saying all that to me, then why do I need Jesus? Because I'm living in the world, and you're telling me I'm good. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some blood on the hands on ju- at the judgment seat of cross on some pastors who did not tell the truth and sold their soul to pleasing people. Yeah. 
Why they don't preach on it is because they're living in it. What, I, what I've discovered is, even in my life, in the early part of my life, many of us this morning were willing to go to the cross and say a little prayer, but never went up on the cross and crucified the old life. Therefore, nothing has changed. It does have nothing to do with your confirmation, if that's what you grew up in. Or your parents had you affirmed or whatever else happened. You've been baptized. You, you're a tie, you've got a title. You've got all this stuff. But when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord, at, I'm telling you, at the judgment seat of Christ, there's not going to be any atheist. You ever thought about why we would even call people that do not believe in God atheists? Because... If there's not a God, then why do you have to be an atheist? What's the debate? There's not a God, then we don't have to worry about being atheists. There's not a God. But the harsh reality is this. We have become a church in this generation where we have a non-committal gospel being preached so long that the truth of God's word seems radical. Well, that's just, that's just old-time preaching. Well, good, I'm old. I was a drug addict as a baby. They drove me to church every time the doors were open. I want to say this so bad. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> parents, parents, parents. You are not called to be your kid's friend. My dad and mom didn't have time out. Listen, I cannot imagine, my kids are in the 30s now, and daddy did not give them an option about going to church, and look today, one is over the music, and one is preaching the gospel. Didn't turn out bad. I can't, I've asked my kids this, they, Ashlyn said, dad, I cannot even fathom me getting up on a Sunday morning and telling you I'm not going to church today. She said, that even scares me today. <laughs> it's not an option. They're not old enough to make that decision. That's why you're the parent. I'm done or I'll keep going. Okay, I've got some good news, though. i got some good news. Because of the redempting power of God, here he breaks the destructive habits of our past and fills our life with this in Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is what he's filling us with now, guys. Love, joy. Woo-hoo! 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, self-control. That just knocked some of us out right there. That just knocked every excuse we can imagine out right there. Against, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh, died with its passions and desires. It's not who I am anymore. You know, the greatest miracle Jesus can do is this. Take an unholy person and change him to a holy person. Then take a holy person, put them back into the unholy world, and they say holy. That's an incredible thing that God can do. Now, i got to close. I'm done. i got to close with this. Y'all okay? Let me close with my opening statement. Is there indisputable evidence from the way that you live your life that you would be found guilty for being a total devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Matthew 7 16 says, you will know them by their fruits. Well, you can't judge me. I'm not judging you. There's only one judge, and that's Jesus. He will judge. Jesus came to be Savior of the world, but he's coming back as judge. Don't preach real well, but it's truth. That's the day that mercy and grace dies, and judgment comes. There will be another, another day like this one. Do you know there will never be another day in history like this one that every person in here today will gather again at the same time? Isn't that amazing? So God had a divine appointment for every one of us to be here today. It may be different. Our relationship with the Lord, our no relationship with the Lord may be different. But let me close with this. If I come down here, can y'all see me up there? Y'all good? Okay. I like to be with the people. There are a million ways to hell, but there's only one way to heaven. And I'm afraid that many in the church today has been duped by the devil into thinking they've been born again, but their life doesn't show it. The first sin was pride. It's still pride. Billy Graham said he believes only 20% of people in church today are saved. When he was alive. So I want to challenge you today. If you would take your last breath today. This is to be absent from the body. Is to be present with God. Your soul is going to go somewhere. 
heaven or hell. There is no, there is no purgatory. And for some of us, God has brought us here for this moment. And you say, you know what? I'm just not sure. You may say a little prayer, but nothing changed. You just kept on living the way you did. No desire for a relationship with Jesus. You just want to make sure you go to heaven. But you, it doesn't work that way. Jesus says you're either for me or against me. You either love the world and hate me, or you love me and hate the world. No middle ground. Are you perfect? No. But you truly have a desire for him. So, if Jesus would come back today, or you would take your last breath, are you 100% sure? And ask 99. Jesus is coming. I don't know if y'all read your Bible, but we ain't far. We got to have an urgency about us as a church. We got to be about the kingdom of God and souls being saved. I'm going to ask you right now just to stand to your feet. No one leaving unless it's an emergency. This is the most important part of the service. Every head bowed, please. Every head bowed, please. The quietness of this hour. How many would say, Pastor? Hey, give me a little bit of light. Give me a little bit of light where I can see upstairs. Thank you. That's perfect. As you don't worry about who's left or right of you, it's just you and God right now. How many say, Pastor? As I as I look inside and I look at my life, I'm not 100 percent sure that I've been born again. And I'm different. If you're like that here, I'm gonna scan the I'm gonna scan the congregation. But no one looking around except who would say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I need, I need Jesus in my life. I need to be born again. If that's you, I want you to look up at me right now. Thank you. I see. Yes. I'm going to keep scanning. say, 
Pastor, I, I'm saved, but I have I have fell into some things that is not of God. And today, I need to get right. I need to rededicate my life back to Him. I need to die on the altar and not apologize anymore for what I've done. If that's you, I just want you to look up at me right now. Be honest with Jesus. It's not about me. Thank you. I want to change. There's some things in my life that need to change. Thank you. I see you. I see you. I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to start singing. And I want you to come right up here. I'm not going to do anything except pray for you. After I pray, the ones that looked at me or others, I just want you to come to the front to stand right up here. So, Father, right now, have your will and have your way. Holy Spirit, move in a mighty way in this place. Shake us, Lord. May love filtrate this place, God. Lord, you're the one that changes people. change people this morning. May we say yes to you. You did everything for us. May we say yes to you today. In Jesus' name. Team, sing. If you looked at me, I want you to come right up here and I'm going to stand with you. Thanks again for listening to the Face Center podcast. To connect with us, go to facecenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.